So good to see everybody in the house of the Lord today. Aren't you glad to be here? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. We got kicked off today. Let's get right into this so I can get out of the way because I'm ready for the rest of the worship today and I'm ready to preach to you today. I've got a word that I'm really excited about and I feel like it's a timely word for us today that the Lord's laid on my heart. So I'm excited about that. Uh, got a Operation Christmas Child, and I've got a flyer here. I'm going to explain to you really quickly. As you're walking out of the doors today, on the left side right here, there's a table, and also on your right side, there are categories on either side. I can't remember which one, but I think we have boys on this side, girls on this side. The ages you're going to see is ages 2 to 4, ages 5 to 9, ages 10 to 14. All right, they have the amount, to my understanding, of flyers that are needed for the, um, this is Operation Christmas Child, which is Samaritan's Purse. We started working with them several years back. We were not able to do it last year with COVID and all of that. And so, but we are starting it back this year. So I got three steps for you. Number one, just pick up a list of suggested items for the gender or age of your choice in the foyer so that they can keep track with the number of boxes that are sponsored. Uh, if you want to get six of them, you can get six of them. That's fine. Get as many as you want to buy for Number two, you buy the suggested items on the list. We encourage you to include a letter, if you would, to the child. And also you can take, put a photo of your family uh, and who purchased a gift for them. Also, number three, pick up a box uh, to pack starting Sunday, November the 7th, or drop off items in the labeled bin in the foyer. And they said, we will pack it for you. That's easy enough, isn't it? If you have any questions, see Hillary Baldwin or Carrie Monroe. And the deadline is going to be Sunday, November 21st. And I'll keep making announcements about that. Also for next Sunday, if you are interested, I know we have numerous new folks that are coming. And um, I've heard some of you sing. Amen. And so if you sing, I'd love to hear you sing. And so we're going to be having choir. Um, it's going to be a choir, Gap Hill Choir meeting. And what's going to happen is you walk through these doors right here. This is next Sunday. You go straight to the end of the hallway there. There's a door. It says choir room. That's where you're going to be meeting next Sunday. Now, please hear me very, very carefully. We can't have a choir if we don't have a choir. That's about as common sense as I can put it. So now I'm going to put it in more common sense terms. So if you want a choir, you better be in the choir room next Sunday. Is that easy enough? After church. So it's immediately following the service. Pastor Brian's not going to hold you long. It'll probably be a five, ten minute meeting. If it's over that, blame it on him. But it's really probably going to be short and sweet. We just really want to get a count of how many people want to be in there. So, so please um, participate in that if you would like to see us work towards getting that choir started back. Sandra, go ahead and play. I want to do a few announcements or a few prayer requests this morning after the announcements here. Uh, the first one would be Bonnie Moody. 
Bonnie is, is suffering with having to take therapy and chemo and things like this with cancer. And um, we know that she's going through a lot. Let's remember her. Also for Ada Eads, she had her second knee replacement. Uh, the doctor told her that she was the oldest person he had ever performed surgery on. But Ada's tough. I talked to her this week. She's doing really good, a lot better with this knee than she did with the other one. So to God be the glory. Brenda, I see you here. I pray that you're doing better from that that you had. If not, we're still praying for you. And we also have Olin Thompson on the list who is still recovering from COVID. And he said it's been a long road for him. But he is making improvements every day. Just needs the church's prayers to continue to be strengthened. All right. Father, today we want to thank you for your powerful word. Thank you for the songs that have been sung already. Thank you, Father, today for what you are about to do in this place. Prepare our hearts for worship. Prepare us to hear what thus saith the Lord. Your word, Father, God, make the, make the ground in our heart, make it fertile. God, let it be prepared for the seed that is going to be sown today. God, if there's hardened hearts, we pray that you would just plow up that ground. We pray that you would make it soft and receptive because, Father, you have a word for us today. You have a promise for us today. And, Father, we want to prepare ourselves to hear that word today. Bless every one of the requests that we gave in today for those that are suffering from sickness in their body is what we talked about today. We speak healing over them. Let us be an encouragement to them. Let them fill our prayers. Father, bless the remainder of the service in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Stand together and become the lift the Lord up. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord Jesus. I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. And you won't fail me now. And there's no waiting. The same God that's never late. Is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. And yes, I will bless your name. And oh yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy. And Whoa! 
church. He is worthy. Hallelujah. We lift you, Lord. We magnify you, O oh Lord. We glorify you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I bless your name.
Somebody give Jesus a hand clap of praise right now in this place. Amen. Give Jesus a hand clap. Praise the Lord. There are times in our lives that God brings things back to our remembrance. And um, I was sitting here, actually I was sitting there yesterday. And I, sometimes I look back on some sermons to figure out kind of, you know, what, what I preach. Because I can't hardly remember everything. And as I was looking through some notes, I found that I preached a sermon here. It was on 7-23-2018. And it was entitled, Almonds Overnight. Anybody remember that? If you do, nod your head. If you don't, then no offense, whatever. If not enough hands are raised, I'll preach it again because it's just, it needs to be preached again. And um, for our new folks, anyhow. But I look back, 7-23-18, I preached that sermon. That has been over three years ago. One of the points that I made in that sermon was that God delights in suddenlies. That was one of my points. God delights in suddenlies. And so today, I feel that God has taken me back to this word. I could not shake it yesterday. And it's that word, suddenly. And for emphasis, we have an exclamation mark there. Because that's the way God does. The word suddenly means quickly and unexpectedly. In other words, it hits you so fast, you don't even know what's hit you. So today I want to deal with that topic and I want you to understand that there's a God in heaven that can change your situation and he can change it suddenly. And to add to what I'm talking about, I'm taking you to Acts chapter 16 is my text. A few weeks ago, I preached a sermon, maybe a month or two ago, I don't know how long ago it's been, I lose track of time. And I called it a midnight miracle. Anybody remember that? If you don't remember that, shame on you. And we talked about one of the main points was 1159. It's 1159. But a midnight miracle is on the way. And so today I'm taking you back to this exact same text. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I feel like God is taking us back a little bit. Sometimes God has to reiterate things to us more than once to remind us of who He is. He has to remind us that He hasn't forgotten us. Sometimes He has to remind us of a promise that He made to us before. Alright? So in other words, if God spoke to you in one of these words, maybe God is speaking to you again to let you know He wants to tell you again that He delights in suddenlies. And that He can do things and He can do it so quickly. That it will blow your mind. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly. Somebody say suddenly. There was a great earthquake so that the very foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately. I love these L-Y adverbs. Immediately. All the doors were opened. And everyone's chains were loose or fell off. In the overall economy of God. There is something that is called a divine moment, all right? It is called a kairos. I've got a friend that named his son Kai, and I always wondered why, and I'm going to ask him. We've got a meeting this Tuesday, and I'm going to ask him if this had anything to do with it. 
Because I always wonder, Kai, where'd you get Kai from? But Kairos is a word that simply put is when God intervenes in the affairs of mankind. A Kairos moment is a divine moment. It's a moment that God shows up suddenly and nothing else could change the situation but God. It is a moment when the doctor can't do it, but God shows up. It is a moment when a lawyer is not going to help you, but God shows up. It is a moment when you're sick in the middle of the night and you need relief from your pain and you pray and all of a sudden a Kairos moment happens when the divine intervenes in this old earthly body and He heals us and touches us and strengthens us. It is the moment that you're in a church service and you're wondering what to do and you haven't got an answer yet. But all of a sudden a Kairos moment happens to where God shows up and all of a sudden you feel something inside of you that you haven't felt in a long time. What is happening, there's a divine God that has come to work on the scenes for you. And in the scripture, I was looking it up, there's some words that are used. There's some moments for Kairos that are used that one of them is suddenly, of course. You'll hear me say that a lot today because that's the topic of our sermon. The other is behold, and another word is lo, L-O. Read your King James Version, you'll see it a lot. Behold, and lo, and suddenly. These are these kairos moments, and they are found in some interesting places. It is in Malachi 3.1. Behold, I send my messenger. He'll prepare the way before me. The Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Behold, he is coming says the Lord of hosts. The promise is fulfilled in Luke chapter 2, 13 and 14. We say it every single time that Christmas time rolls around. The shepherds are in the field and suddenly there was an angel, a multitude in the heavens praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, good will toward men. It's in Acts 9, 3 where the Bible said as, as Saul, later known as Paul, came near to Damascus and suddenly... A Kairos moment, suddenly, there is a light that shone around him from heaven. It is Acts 16, 26 in our text that suddenly there was a great earthquake and the foundation shaken and immediately all of the chains are falling off of people and they are loose. That, ladies and gentlemen, is called a Kairos moment. A time when conditions are right for the accomplishment of a crucial action. In other words, it is a God or nothing scenario. It is those he's all that I have moments. And if he doesn't show up, then I don't know what in the world I'm going to do. But please know that every time, most every time, a suddenly shows up in the Bible. There are interesting circumstances and momentous events that are connected with this particular Kairos moment. These suddenly occasions are not by coincidence. They always, almost always, bring a dramatic change in people's lives and in their situations, things change. 
It is Jacob that is fighting with an angel. And he says, let me go for the day breaketh. But he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. It is that kairos. It's that divine. It's when God shows up. And he keeps on fighting until finally he leaves that place forever change. He leaves with the limp. It is evident that he has been with God. And he leaves and he looks different and he acts different. A matter of fact, he even left with a brand new name when God did a suddenly in his life. Point number one. A suddenly is connected with a specific time. In Malachi 3.1, the suddenly has to do with a prophecy concerning a guy by the name of John the Baptist. And also of Jesus Christ. I want to show you a few scriptures. Galatians 4. I feel these are good enough. I need to read them to you. But when the right time came. Is everybody still with me? When the right time came. Your suddenly will always be connected with a specific time. So never try to speed up the process that God has you in. Because there's a specific time. There is a Kairos moment. There is a divine thing that's going to happen in your life. But you just got to make sure you're at the right place at the right time to experience this powerful God I'm talking about. So, so when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that He could adopt us to be his very own children. We are now his sons and daughters all because of what Jesus did. A suddenly, when the time is right, the apostle Paul says Jesus showed up. Look at Luke 157. This is concerning John. The Bible said when it was time. Oh, somebody grab a hold of what I'm preaching to you today. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, guess what she did? She gave birth to a son. But she did not do it until it was time. Luke 2, 6, speaking of Jesus. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. I'm telling somebody these references that we see, they're all specific to specific times in God's plan. There was a time for John to be born, all right? He was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. That means he was to go out before him. You know he did out of the wilderness saying, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. There's coming one after I who's mightier than I am. I'm not even worthy to unlatch the, the, the latches, latches or what whatever it's called, from his sandals. I'm not even worthy of that. He says, but he's coming. He's coming. And then one day on baptism, thank God, he said, behold the Lamb of, the, of God, which takes away the sin of the world. When the time is right, John the Baptist is born. When the time is right, Jesus was born. And I need somebody to know today that there is a time for some things to be born in your life. And I need somebody to understand that there's some things in you that they may not be born yet. And they may be laying there dormant in the ground, the seed. But I want to tell somebody a word from the Lord today. And that is that God's about to bring life to it. Your time is about drawing nigh. And when your time comes, your dreams, they're going to be birthed. The things you've been waiting to happen, they're going to be born. The prayers you've been praying about, and you're waiting for that to produce all of a sudden... God's going to give you sons and daughters. You are going to birth something. But you got to wait until the time is right for a Kairos moment to happen. Because if God doesn't show up, it's not a Kairos moment. It is only when He's there that this happens. 
on the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, you'll recall in your Bibles. There are many examples. It came on the day of Pentecost at the third hour. Everybody with me? The third hour. Now, as I was studying and I wrote notes, this is what I've got. The three biblical memorial hours of prayer are the third hour, which is 9 a.m., the sixth hour, which is 12 noon, that's lunchtime, the ninth hour is 3 p.m. David prayed during all three of those hours. Three times a day, read your Bible. Daniel would go and he would open up his windows towards Jerusalem and he would pray for deliverance of his people. He would do it at the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, 9 a.m., 12 noon, and 3 p.m. There are many examples throughout the scripture that talks about this. I believe it was Psalm 55 where I was reading it the other day. Where David said, I'm going to pray in the morning. I'll pray at noonday. And I will even pray in the afternoon or the evening. This is three times just going to his prayer service. Now I want you to see something in the Bible. See, it's a moment with God. See, that it's a Kairos moment. And God says this is our meeting time. And look at what happens in Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. I want to show you this. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer the ninth hour now now these are really really interesting you know when you read about Pentecost I don't want to go too deep into this but when you read about Pentecost they told him they said this guy they're drunk right they're drunk and and basically what he says the hour that they claim they're drunk he says it's too early for them to be drunk right they're not drunk with this wine that you're talking about it's a new wine Whenever we look at Acts chapter 3 and verse 1, in the NLT it says it this way. It says that Peter and John were on their way to the 3 o'clock prayer service. I love it. It is a Kairos moment. It is a divine moment. Whatever happened to our meeting place with God? I almost, I almost built a sermon a couple weeks ago, and I wanted to title it, Where's Your Altar? And maybe I shouldn't say this because maybe it is good preaching material. I don't know. But I want to know where's your altar at? Because whenever we read about Elijah, the Bible says that the pagans tore down the altar of God. And what did Elijah do? He rebuilt the altar of God. I want to ask you, where is your divine place? I mean, we used to have them, right? I mean, you know, um, Sandra's grandfather, and I do have it right this time, thank you. She got me last time, except it was her dad. But it was her grandpa that built a rock on her. What was that? That was a Kairos place. That was a divine place. That's a place where you go and you meet with God. I remember when I was coming up, I used to, after mother and father died, I remember I used to go there to the cemetery all the time. In Patrick, we don't have too many people. You don't have to worry about too much traffic. It was in the, on a back road, dead end. You just circle around at the end at the cemetery and shoot right back up towards Patrick. And I remember I used to go right there on that backside. I'd walk around that back wall where the tree line was. And, and that was my Kairos moment. Every Sunday after church, I remember it. I'd go every Sunday after church, and that was my moment. That was my place. And, and me and God would have a talk there. Where is our altars at? And I may preach that one day, but I'm going to leave it alone today. But here we've got this guy, and they're going to the temple. This is their moment. It is a 3 o'clock prayer service. They're going to make time out of their day to go meet with God. And so they're going to meet with God. When they go to meet with God, what happens? The divine happens. Because there's a little lame guy that's been sitting there for a long time. And he's been waiting for a miracle for a long time. I mean, he has his little money jar in his hand. He sits out here every single day. Because you know 
people that feel the Spirit get generous. That's why you wait till you have a good Holy Ghost move of God and then take up an offering. People feel close to God. They feel connected. Oh God, I'll give everything I got. That's right. We'll empty their pockets out. Make people feel about all oh, this and that and the other's going on. We need this and and bam. And there it goes. They give when the spirit moves. So here he is at the place where the, the time. He won't miss it. He's going to be there at 9 o'clock. He's going to be there at 12 o'clock. He's going to be there at 3 o'clock. He can't work. He's lame. And he just sits there with his little money jar. And he's waiting for his money. He's waiting. He's got to eat. And so he's sitting there. But I love the story of Peter and of John. Because when they get to him and you know it when he's sitting there at the gate called beautiful and they look at him one day and they say my God the Holy Ghost had just filled them in Acts chapter 2 they had a power they had never felt before they had had a Kairos moment with God something so divine it's a mighty rushing wind they're speaking in an unknown tongue don't even understand what's going on they're speaking in languages they never even knew they could speak but it's through the Spirit of God and they walk up to this man and they say to him as he shakes his little man jar silver and gold have I but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk see what they were trying to tell that man is your moment has come your suddenly has come you are at the right place today at the right time and that is exactly what happened immediately God said he received strength in his ankles he started running and leaping and shouting and praising God and everybody in the temple was amazed well I'm telling you that's the the way God works, ladies and gentlemen, your suddenly is linked to a specific time. And when that time comes, there's no person that'll stop it. There's no devil in hell that will stop it. There's none of your enemies that can stop it. You can't even stop it. When God says it's time, baby, it's going to happen. Suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. So here we've got the hour of prayer. So in our text, the earthquake at the Philippian jail has taken place. Acts chapter 16. It came in the midnight hour. But sometimes we have to pray late, right? I mean, have you ever been awake at night and not know what, what else to do? Have you ever been there when you were restless at night? When I was coming up in church, you know, that was back in the days. I guess we didn't call it restless leg syndrome. Anybody got that? You don't have to raise your hand. And, and, and I don't know, back then we just, we used, this is the way they taught us. they like, if you can't sleep at night, God's wanting you to get down on your knees and pray. That's the way they told us. They're like, God, God, God needs you to pray. And so I just, sometimes I'll wake up and I just, you know, just pray in my bed. Lord, I don't know what the need is right now. And it was funny because sometimes they'd have prayer, they'd have time of, of um, testimony and they'd be testifying. Talking about, oh, I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning and such stuff happened. Somebody got in a wreck and I was praying, praise God. And maybe God had them there for that moment. What I'm telling you is that it's this specific time. I don't know what it is, but here goes Paul and Silas in the middle of the night at midnight. And they begin to pray. They're praying late. They probably should have been asleep. They've been beaten. The point is that God has set a time established to bless your life. And you are on his agenda. I say this so often, but I feel like I cannot say it enough. That God has a spiritual calendar and you are on that calendar. We, we, we have a church calendar and Sandra puts on their dates 
And the reason we do that is so when somebody else comes and says, hey, I want it on the 13th, we say, no, 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 we can't do that. There's somebody else on the calendar. That's already booked for that day. And see, I, I just, every time I think and I look at my calendar in my office, I just think, man, God's got a calendar laid out and anything that I've ever needed, He's always just wrote my name in and said, this is the day, this is the time, this is the Kairos moment. And I need somebody to understand that because right now, you don't feel like God cares. And right now, you don't feel like God even knows what's going on in your life. But I'm telling you, if we could have spiritual eyes and if God would open up his calendar book right now I'm telling you if he, if he had an iPhone and he could open up his eye calendar if he had one I'm telling you you would see your name on there do not get discouraged because when God does it for you it's going to happen so fast because God loves doing suddenly I said he loves doing suddenlies in your life you just got to trust that God's got you there's no haphazard blessings with God folks Where God is concerned, you don't just happen to run into a blessing. God intentionally blesses you because He knows what you have need of even before you ask for it. Even before you can even think, I've got a need. God already knows. So God don't bring people into your life just to do it. He may bring them in for a certain season to be a blessing. So while you may not be aware of it, God has already scheduled a suddenly for your life. And perhaps that suddenly could very well be today. Point number two. A suddenly disrupts the known power base. That means a suddenly disrupts the norm or what is considered or what's supposed to be normal. A suddenly of God disrupted the wound of a lady named Elizabeth. Because what you have to understand is Elizabeth is barren. For you that don't understand what I'm trying to say, Elizabeth could not have kids. It was medically, scientifically impossible. That was the norm, all right? You can't have babies. But all of a sudden, a suddenly disrupted what was normal for her. And she feels a baby cut and flips because the Holy Ghost gets on him when Jesus walks in the room. God Almighty. What is this? What is this? There's a baby living inside of me. And guess what? God disrupted her barrenness. And John the Baptist was born. A suddenly disrupted the biological impossibility of Mary having a child. Because Mary is a virgin, ladies and gentlemen. There is no man involved. What happened? A suddenly. I don't know when it happened, how it happened. But God said the Holy Ghost has planted a seed inside of you. And there is something growing inside of you. It's not just a normal baby. This thing inside of you is the son of the living God my Lord he shall save his people from their sins a suddenly disrupted it a suddenly disrupted the known power base of the Sadducees and all the ceremonies that they did in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit transcended the prevalent religious practices of that time and the Holy Spirit would usher in a new way that God would deal with His people. He would work now through the power of conviction. 
He would not no longer work through a priest. And I go confess. Say, oh man, look at what I've done. I feel so bad about this. But now all of a sudden conviction would hit my heart. I wouldn't have to talk to anybody. Every time that I sinned, the Holy Spirit would prick me and say, that is wrong. And through conviction of the Holy Spirit, I would walk in an anointing that I've never known before because the Holy Spirit would keep me straight and on the right path, the unknown, this base that was normal, all of a sudden God disrupted it, when all of a sudden now they are speaking in an unknown tongue, a suddenly disrupted Satan's grip on Paul's life in Acts chapter 9, when the God that was the persecutor of the church was delivered by the power of God, Paul was on his way in the scripture I read to you. He was on his way to kill a group of Christians. But suddenly a Kairos moment with God changed everything. And in a moment a man that was going to kill people said, My Lord, I can't kill them. I'm going to go preach a sermon and I'm going to win some people for Jesus. It absolutely shook everything up, but that is what God does. Woo-wee. And I'll leave you with this, and I'm closing. Point number three. God always sets you up for a sudden wave. Are you ready? He sets you up for a sudden wave. You've watched a movie, and and if, if you've watched enough shows or movies, you know there's a point in the movie that's climactic. Anybody know what that is? It is the climax. It is where they want you to get to the highest point of the film before they bring it back down. And so a lot of times you can tell, oh my, is Jenny really about to break up with Bob? We're getting there. It's about to happen. It starts raining outside. For you that were here the other week, you get the joke. We know it's climate, and we hit the remote and it says you've only got 12 more minutes in the movie. Man, this thing's about to come to an end, right? It is climatic. That is exactly if we were to look at the storyline of Paul and Silas. They are in jail. Everything is culminating. Everything is happening. We are getting to the climax of the story. My God, of God's dealing with Paul about a number of things that began in Acts chapter 15. Let me show you. Paul didn't get here by chance. Everything that happened in Paul's life was a setup for his sudden. All right, we start off, I mentioned this the other week, and I could read it, but time won't allow me. He has a falling out with a guy by the name of Barnabas. You'll remember that, right? And so John Mark wants to go with with Paul and with Barnabas, to which Paul says, he let me down before. I don't know, I can't trust this guy. Ain't happening. The Bible says he really got heated about this. I mean, he was still holding a little bit in his heart, it sounds like to me. He was, he's really mad with John Mark. He says, oh, that man. He ain't going. To which Barnabas said, I'll tell you what, Pa. I like John Mark. And he's a good boy. He's a good old boy. And and I guess if John Mark can't go with us, then I'm not going with you. And so the story breaks down, culminates, climatic. Here we are. And so Barnabas and John Mark take off. But guess what God sent to Paul? Who God sent to Paul? A guy by the name of Silas. 
It is not Paul and Barnabas in the jail. It is not Paul and John Mark in the jail. It is Paul and Silas. Do you see that God is strategically setting him up for this moment? The stirring of his heart to preach in Asia to get him to where he is happens in this time. A vision of a man in Macedonia that says, Paul, Paul, come help us. Before you can experience a suddenly, you must be willing to see God in ways you've never seen him before. Because listen to me. Everything that happened in Paul's life, including the beatings, including the torture, including all that he's went through. And we could go into shipwrecks and snake bites and we can go into all this. But it is all a climatic story that is getting him to the point that it's his storyline, folks. And, and, and let me tell you something tonight or today. If you take out part of the storyline, what does it do? I mean, you know, they came out with this. They got this um, Pure Flick stuff or something. We used to have a, a um, cuss box too. Y'all ever heard of a cuss box? That was back in the day. One that Jennifer like nineties or something. They called it TV Guardian. Now they got Pure Flicks. And so what they do is they cut out parts of the movie. Are y'all still with me? That are supposedly offensive, and you can rate it till it however you want it. To you know, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to see this. I don't, and it will just blot out. But what you figure out is when you get finished watching the movie and go talk to somebody else. You have no idea what happened in the movie. They've deleted parts of the storyline to where you're saying, really? I didn't see that. Oh, yeah, yeah, it happened, man. It was the biggest part of the movie. What I'm telling you is I appreciate that and God bless them. But what I'm saying is that when you have a storyline and you begin to take out pieces of the puzzle, all of a sudden all you have is a mess on the table and a broken down puzzle that we need the parts to go back in before we can see the full picture. And I want you to understand that there's times in our life that we try to pull our piece out of God's storyline. And we say, God, I don't want to be a part of that. And so we try to change the storyline. But I'm telling you, do not do it let the story play out like the story's supposed to play out because it's part of the storyline and God cannot get you where you need to be without the storyline oh God so what I'm saying is Paul and Silas would not have experienced a suddenly, but God set them up for it, and I'm preaching about it today. See, you have to learn to see God. You have to be willing to see God in things you in ways you've never seen Him before. You have to start seeing God in your trouble. You have to start seeing God in your discouragement. You've got to start seeing God in the loss of that friend that you didn't understand why they left you. You've got to start seeing God. We could call it hashtag setup. Because that is exactly what is happening right now. God is setting you up for a suddenly to happen in your life. And unless you've been where you've been, you would not experience the greatness of God that you are going to experience. The imprisonment, the subsequent beatings that Paul and Silas go through. And then at midnight, a suddenly came just like God had planned. All along. I'm, I'm quitting soon. Please hear me today, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, i got to say it again. What God is doing in your life is setting you up for something. 
I've seen some movies that I wanted to turn off within the first few minutes. You know what? Anybody ever watched a show like that? Me and my wife have a habit of, of getting in binge watches on different shows. And I'm on one now called Friday Night Lights. Man, inspirational. Love it. But we're sitting here and we're watching these things, right? And I remember there's been series before that I started watching. I thought, huh, I just don't really don't like this. I don't like it. I just don't like it. Let's watch one more episode just to see. Sometimes it takes time to develop a storyline, right? Yeah, we'll watch that one. At the end, you're like, eh, a little better, not great, but, uh. but then third round, you're like, uh, I like where they're going here. This is going to be good. And next thing you know, you're watching something that you thought you didn't like. And when you get to the end, you're like, woo! And you're going to your buddies and you're saying, You've got to see it. But now, the first three episodes are going to be a little tough. But if you can just make it through there, just let the storyline build. I'm telling you, it's going to be worth your time. And I think sometimes that's the way that I get with God. That early on, I'm like, this ain't working. Early on, I'm like, I don't understand this. No, 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 why? Well, But I'm telling you, I've been in so many storylines, spiritually speaking, in my own life as it played out before me, that I said, man, I'm glad I held on. I'm glad I held on. Because it wasn't right at the beginning. But my God, now that I'm at the end, and now that God has suddenly changed everything for me, and now that God has worked out my situation, everything's different now. I'm glad that I held on. Even when I didn't like it, God worked it out. Oh, my God. I'm going to leave you with this. There's some things that you can do to facilitate the oncoming of a suddenly. Paul and Silas prayed. They sang praises prior to an earthquake happening. It had to be hard. They're beaten. They're bleeding. But yet they're still praising. Still praying. Then suddenly, the earthquake happens. Once the break point of change comes, there is no stopping the suddenly from taking place in your life. Today I ask you, how many of you in this building, and you don't have to lift your hand, but I mean, how many of you really say, you know what, Pastor, I really, I need one right now. I need a suddenly. I need God to do something for me, and I need Him to do it right now. Well, guess what? Like Acts chapter 3, it is our hour of prayer. I'm about on the money, Brian. I'm shorter today. I should be about 10 more minutes preaching and then it'd be about right. But we're reaching prayer time. We do it every Sunday. It's our moment. Do you want to have a Kairos moment? Do you want to have a moment where God comes on the scene and He changes the storyline? Wouldn't you like for God to come in and what's been hurting you and beating you down? All of a sudden, God said, wait, 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 wait. I understand it's been hard, but this is a setup. It's a setup for what God's about to do. Haman's got the poles and the gallows. They're set up for the Jews. But what Esther didn't realize at the time is that he was setting up his own death wish. He was setting up his own gallows. And what the devil had planned to do backfired on him. And in the end, guess
guess who came out smelling like a rose? Esther. All the Jews and God's people could say amen, hallelujah. God came through again suddenly, right but the night before He was going to kill them. Suddenly, God. Let's all stand. Grab your mic. Grab your mic. I want everybody to know, as always, the altars are always open. I want you to know that. The altars are always open. We're Pentecostal. We believe in prayer. And if you want to pray at the altar, then bless God, you ought to come pray at the altar today. If you want to pray at your pew, you can pray at your pew. But this song kind of went good with my sermon, actually. And so I'm going to let her sing that verse about Paul and Silas being in those prisons. All right? Come on and pray. Anybody wants to, come on, brother. Come on. Thank you, Holy Ghost.